Welcome to Consilience, an African science podcast, brought to you from Johannesburg, South Africa. Consilience is a weekly podcast dedicated to promoting reason, skepticism, and a scientific worldview in Africa and beyond. Welcome to Consilience. Today be 19th of September, 2012, and I be Owen Swart. Joining me today be Michael Meaden. And Angela Meaden. And it be Talk Like a Pirate Day today. And that's it. No more Talk Like a Pirate Day. So I hope you enjoyed it. That's done. Yeah, that's about the best we can do. Shiver me timbers. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's get started with teaching Angela to appreciate history. Yay. And I am the one who... uh, Befalls this dubious honor this week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In in which uh, one of us tries to inculcate a sense of wonder and awe about days gone by in the the mind of our fellow podcaster. (laughs) And then I will inculcate some grammar awe into you. (laughs) (laughs) R. And uh, today's uh, uh, thingy is um, item. Item, yes. Yeah, that's it. That's an item. It happened in 1961, and it was the first contact between humans and an alien race. Yay! Star Trek! <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. no. 19, 1961, not 2061. Uh, so this was Benny and Barney Hill, an American couple who claimed that they were abducted by aliens and experimented upon. Awesome. Yeah. So that hmm. was... Uh, that. Went pretty well for us, I guess. Yeah. But uh, how about Roswell? Surely that would be the first. Benny and Betty or Boopy or whatever her name was, mm. they were the first people to claim to have been abducted by yeah. aliens. That's right. And mm. tested on. That's or true. Experimented upon. That's true. Were their anuses violated? Um, yes. I'm not sure. I haven't read their book, which by, apparently. By, by whom? Aliens. Okay. The, in the, the showers. The, the grey aliens. In fact, that they, they originated the whole myth of the grey aliens. Yep. Mm, okay. Although, what, what's interesting, though, is that, um, that a lot of their claims didn't surface until years after the event. And only after after many sessions of successive regressive hypnosis did many of the details. Mm, Very reliable, much. then. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so, none of their claims have ever been substantiated. And, and skeptics, including Brian Dunning of the Skeptoid podcast, have managed to poke so many holes in the story that there isn't even anything left to hold the holes together. <laughs> As it should be. Indeed. Um, but you should t- definitely check out uh, the Skeptoid episode on, on the subject. It's, it's worth listening to. Cool. As is every episode of Skeptoid, really. It's a good mm. show. We haven't listened to Skeptoid in donkey's years. I have. Have you? Yep. You're just behind. I am. I'm behind with everything at the moment. Yeah, me too. Except oh, childcare. Well. Yeah, I'm right on top of that. Awesome. Good job. (laughs) All right, then let's move on to the news. And today's first news story is a good news story. And it's about how uh, Ghanaian witches are exiled to concentration camps. Yay! That sounds great. Wait, what? What? No. (laughs) Yeah, it's not really good news. Where's Ghana? So, So Ghana is an African country. It's yes. It's north of here. It's in it's in West yes, Africa. It's in West that Africa. is in West Africa. It it's borders, near Nigeria. Yeah, it, it borders on uh, Kenya, I believe it is. No, Mm-mm. Kenya is in East Africa. West is on the other side. <laughs> oh, wait. Which one am I thinking of? I'm so, thinking of Uganda. He's okay. <laughs> I knew there was a G in there God. somewhere. <laughs> Eric, you need to work on your geography. Yeah, no, no, Ghana is up on the other side. That's Next, right. you're going to tell me Japan is appreciate a, geography. In, in fact, Ghana is, is one of the countries that's very, really close to, uh, to to the latitude and longitude of zero zero. Oh, yeah, up there. 
course, zero zero is in the Atlantic Ocean, but um, it's fairly close to the African coast, and Ghana is one of the countries on that coast. Cool. So that will give you an idea of where it is. Ghana is the country where I'm basing my story for my next novel. Awesome. Sort of. Not really Ghana, but like different Ghana. Your next novel or the, or the one that's currently? The one I'm currently working on. Nice. Mm. Awesome. Because it has interesting stuff there. It does have interesting mm. stuff, like witches in concentration camps. Yes. So, <laughs> Which aren't in my next story. <laughs> oh, all right then. So so what what's happened here is is it seems that about a century ago. All right, so, so like, like in many African countries, whenever something goes wrong, um, in a given village, uh, the the uneducated locals will tend to blame witchcraft, and they'll they'll root out some socially vulnerable person, like like an old person or a mentally ill person or a child or something like that, and, and blame them for being a witch, and um, and, and basically you know, make them the scapegoat for all their troubles. Uh, and what's happened in Ghana about a century ago? The, the 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 village chiefs kind of realized that this was not really a sustainable thing. You know, it's sort of rooting out these witches and then killing them. It wasn't wasn't a nice or humane thing. So they implemented this idea of, of having these witch concentration camps where when these women were identified as witches, they would be shipped off to a concentration camp where they'd be forced to live with other women and these other women who had also been branded as witches. And they were uh, presided over by these leaders called the Tindanas who were imbued with the mystical ability to uh, to cleanse so-called witches. Hmm. So w- what this did was it, it uh, it had the dual effect of of protecting the villagers from from the witches, and also protecting the the witches themselves from reprisals by vigilantes by, by having their witchcraft removed from them after the fact. Hmm. Um, so, so you know, on on the one hand, it's kind of a barbaric thing, but on the other hand, it's also it, it's more humane than just burning the witches, which you know, I guess. Yeah. Um, although now the Ghanaian government has realised that the existence of these things is kind of a blight on their reputation. So they've vowed to eradicate these concentration camps um, sort of by this year or, or next year, perhaps. Um, but which I, is probably a good idea, I reckon. I mean, we don't want people in concentration camps. But now here's my question. Is um, is it really a good idea to return these women to villages where, from which they've been exiled by people who think they are witches? Are we not sending them to their deaths by forcing them to return back to these villages? Hmm. Yeah, it's an unfortunate situation and it is caused by deeply seated superstitious belief. Just a question, are they are they kept there by force? Um it, it well, the article I, that was in uh, I think it was on the BBC isn't uh, isn't quite clear on the, the precise details of that, but it does seem like like they don't have the option to leave. Like they couldn't go back to the village even if they wanted to. Yeah, but I cannot not go back to the village because they feared to be killed. But yeah. but can they come and go as they please? Because there's mm. because that that would determine whether it's a concentration camp right. or whether it's a, a refugee camp. Right. Well, I gather the the label of concentration camp is using is being used somewhat loosely. Mm. Yeah, motively. But, yeah, but it, it's not like they have anywhere else to go. You know, it's not like they, well, can, they could go to one of the big cities, presumably. Perhaps, although that doesn't doesn't appear to be an option for them. But bearing in mind that most of these women have been branded as witches because they're mentally ill, so they have some uh, kind of personality okay. disorder that they're probably not self sufficient. So, so what Ghana needs are mental health institutions. Exactly. Yeah. We're making a huge assumption here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's exactly it. The data doesn't exist. So. Uh, the few people who do know things about these sorts of things are, are are assuming that at least a large percentage of these women have been so branded because they're mentally ill, they suffer from personality disorders and that kind of thing. Either that or they just didn't fit in socially, um, which also makes them vulnerable. It's mm. terrible. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. And there's, a, there's another story which happens, uh, which takes place nearby Ghana, um, 
And it's also about witchcraft. Yay. No, not, not in Kenya. It's <laughs> no, the other side, Nigeria. <laughs> uh, there's an action aid report on the camps. What okay, is that? Carry on. So uh, a Nigerian man has used witchcraft to recruit children for his sex slavery trade. Which is his sex slavery. What? Yeah, because, uh, all right, so allegedly, right, so this trial is still ongoing in the UK. It hasn't been resolved yet, as far as I can tell. And uh, this is a Nigerian expat named uh, Osazua Osolase, who's been living in Kent in the UK for a while. And he's been accused of using witchcraft to lure Nigerian teenagers into his human trafficking ring to be sold as sex slaves in cities around Europe, including the UK. So, Oluwase is accused of using what they call juju spells and potions to intimidate the children, coercing them into submitting to rape and abduction using his invisible power to terrify them into obedience. Mm. Let's be clear here. That's bullshit. Yeah. Right? No one has invisible magical powers. He's intimidating them because he's a scary man intimidating children. Right, exactly. It might also be a sort of placebo effect kind of. So, Mm. he's, he's reputed to have these abilities. Right. And therefore, it keeps them in line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah, he's terrifying them into submission. Yeah, he's, and he's not just uh, putting on a mask and, and doing a scary dance either. He he's uh, some of these rituals that he performs on them includes cutting the children with a razor blade and rubbing magical powders into the wounds. Sure. Um, so he he's physically abusing them as well and raping them himself. I mean, this is not this is not a nice man. He's not just pretending. Wow. Um, and he was caught uh, in the UK by uh, trying to sell a teenage girl for seventy thousand euros. It's a pretty good price, I guess. And the prosecution for the case reckons that he's been uh, doing this for about 15 years now. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's scary. But uh, I guess it's good news that he's been caught and uh, he will soon face justice. Hopefully. As he should. Yeah, there's no... I mean, seriously. Throw him in jail for the rest of his life. Yeah. Where hopefully he will be abused as he has been abusing. Yeah. So, yeah. well... I so, wouldn't go that far, but but yes. Can I? Yeah. Put in my next one now. Alrighty. So staying on the whole child rape issue, since that seems to be where we're <laughs> wow, going tonight. Wow, awesome. Good episode, guys. <laughs> I was gonna, and I was going to do a good news story, but anyway, carry on. <laughs> well, let's get it out the way, okay? Um, the Catholic Church says that 14 is the age of consent. Just Wait. so you know. Oh, okay. Well, that Wait, makes sense what? then. Yes. According to the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, if a priest molests a child who's 14 years or older, it's not a serious offense because 14 is the age of consent as far as the Roman Catholic Church is concerned. Mm. Well, sure. Okay. So I'm making the statement based on a news article that I read on a skeptical blog and which we will link to, Mm -hmm. which discusses the case of a priest um, in a town. Now, I'm going to, pronounces toilet because that's what it looks like to me. It's Joy Jolier. Jolier. Something. Joylet. Um <laughs> and they admit that this man was abusing a boy in he he was brought to court in twenty ten. They admit that he was abusing this boy, but gave him his job back after having suspended him to um to investigate the claims that this young man brought against the priest of abuse. Mm-hmm. Um because raping a fourteen year old is not a serious crime in their eyes. Hmm. Essentially. Interesting. Yeah. Well, clearly the 14-year-old boy was asking for it. Yeah, you know, we know how young men love yeah. to seduce old men. Yeah, exactly. But, but, just but so, so, so hold on. Are they claiming he consented at all? They're saying that because he's over 14, it was consensual. 
because 14 is the age of consent. They don't dispute, that, actually with him, they don't dispute that the abuse happened. They say, yes, it was a serious thing. It happened. We don't deny it. But are they denying rape as possible? Right? Because if, if their position is consistent, they'd have to say rape is impossible. I don't know. Any anyone over fourteen cannot be raped, according to that definition. Then. Yes, according, yeah. it's like, well, you can be raped, but they're saying fourteen is the age of consent. So unlike the law, which states that sixteen is the age of consent, well, right. it varies by country. Yeah, yeah. So Sweden, I know it's fourteen, and here in South Africa, it changed recently. I think it's now. It, there used to be a lower age for girls, girls. than boys, but yeah. They, yeah. that was that was changed. I think it's now 16, but it's a complicated thing. Yeah, it used it's, to be 16 for girls and 18 for boys. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's now like 16, but it's like a complicated sliding scale. So if you're oh, like two right. years older than a 16-year-old, it's not it's and okay. It's, yeah. But if it's three years, it's not okay. And anyway, it's complicated. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, if you're 14 years or younger, well, 14 years older, wow. essentially they're saying you've consented. Well, I do remember reading um, a couple of years ago, uh, a link did the, did the rounds on Facebook and stuff, uh, to a list of ages of consent in countries around the world. And I remember that the Vatican had the lowest, but it, oh, really? it was lower than 14. It was like 12 or something. Oh, wow. Um, nice. And, and although the, the, whoever created the list uh, acknowledged that there was some uh, something iffy about it because they didn't have a specific law in the Vatican about it, but there was some kind of legal precedent, and that's where it came from. Okay, isn't it also really low in Saudi Arabia, like ten or something stupid? I think it it was really low there, but not as low as uh, as the Vatican. Okay. Well, if you want to marry your child bride, it can't be illegal. Yes, yeah, married marriage is a different thing. Yeah. Oh. As as long as you've got uh, parental consent, then marriage doesn't doesn't necessarily apply to the same uh, same age of consent issue. Really? Yeah. Ridiculous. Now, really, it's time to move on from this kind of sort of medieval superstitious thinking. I mean, it's it's it seems clear to me that a fourteen-year-old can consent to sex, but not when a much older man is involved. Yeah. So, two fourteen-year-olds having sex, I don't think the law should get involved with that no, at all. None of their business. But when a fourteen-year-old and a thirty-five, forty-year-old, yeah. especially a thirty-five, forty-year-old with uh, within a position of authority, yeah, like exactly. a priest. Yeah, and I mean, there's the reason that laws there isn't because it's impossible for a genuine, loving, and supportive relationship mm-hmm. to exist between two such people. It's possible, right? It's just the you know the possibility of abuse is so large that it outweighs the the you know the rights of people who in the minority of cases it could be a good thing right yeah, mm. yeah. or or not a bad thing i would want to say yeah. it's a good thing yeah well i'm sure nambler has something to say about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> I try not to pay attention to um to nambler yeah the north american one and brenda look like association yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> saudi arabia may soon legalize nuptials for baby girls wow a new fatwa recently issued in Saudi Arabia suggests the supreme mufti of the country will allow giving girls into marriage at the age of 10. Yeah, well, there you have it. <clears throat> yes. Okay. All it's, right. Well, yeah. this is all too depressing. So let's do something awesome. Yeah, let's have a new story about monkeys. Yes, monkeys. So monkeys are cool. And they are. They are. There, there are a lot of them. And... A new one has now been discovered, or at least a new species has been claimed. Awesome. 
Um, and the new monkey, the, the co- common name is Lesula, mm-hmm. and it was found in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Awesome. And the DRC, as, as its friends note, mm-hmm. is north of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but south of Ghana. <laughs> Somewhere around Kenya. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, it's on the Atlantic coast. So, so the DRC, it's, it's, just north of Angola, so it's South right. Africa, Namibia, Angola. Then it's the DRC. Right, right. Okay, and it's the DRC is a huge country. It's mm. I think it's the largest in Africa. One of them, yeah. Yeah, because how, uh, Sudan has now been split, and I think that right. used to be the largest. So, right, so right. now it's DRC, I think. Um, but anyway, it's it's huge, and it's it's quite a lot of people there, but a big chunks of it that are quite um quite remote and and not very uh, populated. Right. Yeah. And uh, according to a new study in PLOS, Public Library of Science, um, led by uh, John Hart, um, and he has a whole bunch of, of researchers who I'm not going not gonna to name every single one of them, they're naming a new species, this Lasula, called uh, Cercopithecus lomianiensis. Awesome. Uh, but I'm just going to stick to Lasula because mm-hmm. that's way too complicated. And um, the first Lasula was, was actually... A captive animal. So, so the local people know about this monkey. It's just right. it's the monkey is new to science. So right. this is the this is the, the, the scientific discovery. Mm-hmm. And um, th- so the first young captive animal was seen in two thousand and seven mm-hmm. in a in a school director's house uh, near the city of Opala in, in the DRC, and that's uh, part of the Lomami Basin. Mm-hmm. Um, and this monkey is a member of the tribe Cercopithecusini, um, or commonly f- referred as the Gunons. And they. Oh. That explains it, right? Right, of course. That yeah. makes, it makes sense. Now, now I know exactly what you're talking okay. about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> and, and it's the most specious clade, or, or the, mo- the, the clade with the most species in it, mm-hmm. of all the extant African primates. Ah, so it's, cool. a, it's a very large group of, of monkeys that this monkey is a subset of, basically. So okay, think okay. cool. Um, and these chrysos are basically restricted to about 7,000 or 6,500 square kilometers in the lowland rainforests of the central DRC. So it's okay. right in the middle of the country, um, and it's between the Lomami and the upper Tuapa rivers. Oh, okay. okay. And, um, yeah, go, go look at Google Maps. It's, it's, mm. we'll, in fact, we'll link to the Google Maps. Yeah, thing. we will. We will. It's, it's, I, I looked it up, but it's, it's very clear. And uh, <laughs> the, what makes this really significant is that new monkeys are extremely rare. Right, yeah. Um, this is only the second new monkey discovered in Africa in the last 28 years. New monkeys happen all the time. Baby monkeys are born all the time. Okay, a, a species of monkey new to science. Oh, okay. Okay. New monkeys in the sense of a new species of monkey evolving is even rarer. I don't think that's happened in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. So they've discovered a new species of monkey because, of, of course, because we're we are primates ourselves, we study the primates intensively. Right. Now, one of the key things the authors had to do in the study is distinguish between um, Lesula hmm. and a, a different monkey that is very similar to it, but they claim is a different species, namely Hamlin's monkey or the owl-faced monkey. Okay. Um, and that's known as. Uh, Cercopithecus hamlini, hamlini, hmm. um, and 
what they did is they basically studied the monkey's behavior, uh, their vocalizations, mm -hmm. and their DNA. Mm -hmm. And they did a whole bunch of very complicated genetics that I will admit to not understanding. Right, right. Um, and the the behavioral or sort of overall ecological stuff is is a bit clearer. And um, basically concluded from that, it's these guys are not subspecies, either one of the other. So they're not subspecies, but okay. they are in the same genus. Right. So they're definitely the most closely related of the monkeys within its ge within this clade. Right. Um, but they are separated by a very long time. So their last uh, common ancestor lived. The estimates vary, and there's obviously a range, but mm. let's call it between 1.7 and 2 million years ago. Wow, okay, so, that's quite so long that's, ago. That's a very long, long time ago. Yeah, so that, that's uh, that, that's longer ago than when the bonobos and chimpanzees split. And uh, Sadiba is roughly that time. Right, that's true. Sadiba is 1.9 awesome. million. Well, even more recent than that, actually. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, no, that's true. Actually, yes, 1.9, quite right. Okay, so mm. yeah, so they're, they're quite quite similar looking, but seemingly from the study mm. and obviously other scientists are going to have to check it and make right. sure that they haven't made mistakes and so on but they seem to be separate species awesome so that's pretty cool mm. now the the bad news but the study is that a lot of their samples of this monkey actually came from the bushmeat trade oh crap mm. so these guys are they're not endangered as far as I can tell but they are delicious <laughs> Well, yeah, p possibly. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've never eaten monkey. No. Nor, nor, nor do I think I would. But probably, probably tastes like chicken. Probably. Or bacon, maybe. Mm. <laughs> I mean, do not bacon. try to eat a new species of <laughs> monkey. This is not good. Oh, come on. Okay. So, yeah. So, while this area is remote and it's not heavily populated, which has probably protected it, um, there are likely other unknown species in this area, this this Lumami Basin. And mm. because it's not been um, studied in depth, uh, there aren't a lot of people around. So quite possibly quite a lot of biological diversity still remains in this area. So it's imperative we protect the area because mm. it potentially has all this, you know, it's potentially a treasure trove of biological diversity. Mm. And so before the the bushmeat traders and the loggers and the hunters and the miners and whoever go in, we should actually go study it in there and protect these animals. Yeah, good idea. Good plan. And maybe good luck. Maybe eat some already. You know, I, I'm, I'm not super <laughs> super confident that's going to happen, but at least yeah. we now know there is an, as a, a species there worth protecting. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah, monkeys. So, what's special about this monkey? I mean, what does it look like? Does it have an extra arm on its face? Or? <laughs> it's a, it's not a strange looking monkey. It's got big, funny, googly eyes and a long, thin nose. Yeah, oh, okay. it it is kind of weird looking. Um, it, it it's not a. I wouldn't say it's it's what you would call a a charismatic animal. Um, um well, that's so, not good. <laughs> so it's it's. I mean, it's kind of wise looking, and it's kind of sad looking. Ah. Uh. Yeah, it's it's not it's not panda, basically. So we should put it out of its misery, then. <laughs> Owen. <laughs> Owen, so tell us about Star 
Star Wars? No. What? No, I won't tell you about Star Wars. There's something NASA did that's like Star Wars. That's true, but I'm not going to tell you about that. Okay, all right. I'm going to tell T- you about Tell us about Captain Jar Jar Binks. I'm not going to tell you about that either. <laughs> I will, however, tell you about NASA that they are building a real-life warp drive. Cool. Awesome. Well, maybe. Well, not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the whole kind building of, part. Yeah, kind, kind of a little no. bit, not quite. Okay. So, so if you've been on the internet at all in the last week, you've probably seen this story. Um but uh, you might not have had the benefit of, a, of an expert tricky evaluating it for you. <laughs> I love this headline. That's how building real-life warp drive. And the, the building part is wrong, and yeah. the real-life part is wrong, and the warp drive part is wrong. I suppose the NASA bit is right. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> does the guy who proposed it actually work for NASA? Yeah, he does. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. Okay, so it, isn't, it is NASA. Okay, yeah, yeah. Fine. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, you're speaking in his capacity as you know, from some other organization, but... <laughs> he does actually work for NASA. <laughs> okay, so that's, oh, that's, oh, that's awesome. Right, so, so oh, the, the, the idea of the warp drive has been around since at least 1966, uh, with the advent of Star Trek, the original series. We don't care about it having existed before then, because, you know, who cares. Um, but essentially, it's an engine that allows a starship to travel faster than the speed of light by warping the space around it, hence the name. Mm. All you have to do is say engage convincingly, and it works. Well, that, that is that is the, the important part. part. Yeah, yeah. But there's a bit more to it than that. Really? Yeah, it's, oh. it's a little more complicated. I thought you just had to be bold and say engage and point. So you don't have to be bold. Bold or bold? Both. But you have to be bold, yes. You, you have to be bold you, and bold. You don't have to be bold. Um, but but <laughs> there, there's, there's a little more to it than that. Okay. Yeah. God, so did somebody when did have the too much caffeine today or something? When do the, the metachlorians come in? They don't. Oh. No. But it's... But Okay. No. Carry on. No. Sorry, <laughs> I, I'll stop interrupting you eventually. Probably not tonight, though. All right. So, so as, as we know, uh, nothing can travel faster than the speed of light. Or at least no thing can travel faster than the speed of light. Right? We know Except that. Except neutrinos. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But only in Italy. <laughs> and only if you measure shit wrong. Yeah. But... Um, so, so at least, at least as far as we can tell, nothing can travel faster than the speed of light, except that that speed limit doesn't apply to space itself. Hmm. So, what the warp drive does is it actually bends the shape of space-time in the same way that a gravitational field does. Mm-hmm. It bends the shape of space-time around the ship, so that the, uh, the the space immediately surrounding the ship is what's traveling faster than the speed of light relative to the space around it, but the ship relative to its space isn't moving faster than the speed of light. It doesn't even have to be moving at all. I don't even... It's, I, it's a I, little complicated. I don't even... Yeah. So, so even. Th- think of it like the diagrams you've seen of, of the Doppler effect, where, where you've got the, the waves that are compressed ahead of the object and the waves that are stretched out behind it. Now, instead of waves of sound or whatever, think of that as space. So space gets compressed in front of the ship and then it gets ex- extended behind the ship. So, so in, in essence, what you're doing is you're, you're bending the shape of space so that you're reducing the distance between you and your, your destination rather than just traveling faster. Okay. So it's like teleportation kind of. Not really, because you're not instantly moving from one place to another, but you, you are kind of changing the shape of space temporarily and then passing through the temporarily distorted space. Okay. Don't you need something really heavy to do that? Um, yeah, that's one way of doing it. Um, you, you can create a, you can create uh, various kinds of energy fields that also distort space. Uh, a gravitational field is one of them, but electromagnetic fields also distort space-time a little bit. Um, and in fact, in, uh, in 1994, Mexican physicist Miguel Alcubierre 
uh, proposed a theoretical model for how such a vessel could actually be built. And it, uh, it would be a rugby ball-shaped uh, ship surrounded by a flat ring of some material, possibly an exotic material, that would be responsible for warping the space around it, leaving the space around the ship itself unperturbed. So if you want to get a visual of what it looks like, if you remember in the Star Trek Enterprise, the Vulcan Surak class cruiser, um, imagine that, but with a shorter primary hull. What? What? Uh. what? <laughs> right, so in, in Star Trek Enterprise, the Vulcans had uh, a couple of different uh, kinds of starships. One of them in particular was a, a really big one called the Surak class cruiser. And it had a, a round ring-shaped warp engine. And then the ship was a long, thin thing that passed through the ring. Uh, I sort of, sort of vaguely remember something like that. Yeah, so, so go watch Star Trek Enterprise and then you'll see what I mean. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, imagine that only the the, the primary hull, the, the main part of the ship, is a lot shorter. Okay. And then, then you're you're imagining Ooh. what this thing would look like. So so the space ahead of the ship would be contracted. Oh, we've covered that already. Okay, never mind. So the, this design is theoretically capable of achieving roughly ten times the speed of light, or in Star Trek terms, that's about warp three. <laughs> Which is it's still pretty decent, right? Yeah, but on which definition of warp? Because we all know warp has oh, several that, different definitions. Well, that's true. At, at about the warp three level, they're all pretty much the same. It's only okay. once you get to the higher higher warp factors that it starts to differentiate. Okay, fair enough. Um, so, but now the problem with that was that to make it go, the ship would need approximately the mass energy. In other words, if you were to take the the mass and convert it all into energy, of about the planet Jupiter. Okay, wow. Well, no. that's a slight problem. Yeah, it's a little bit impractical. Um, so, yeah, we'd have <laughs> just, to... Just a teensy weensy bit. No, oh, exactly. But... No, no, no. What we need is homeopathy, guys. Homeopathy <laughs> <laughs> will solve this problem for us. <laughs> that's we true. We homeopathic just, matter. We just take the planet Jupiter and dissolve it in water. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget the shaking. Yeah, and the shaking, yeah. And banging. The, sh- yeah, the, the succussion is very important. Yeah, yeah it's very important. Mm. But, but now what's happened is Harold White, who works with the NASA Johnson Space Center, he's published new calculations which suggest that a relatively minor modification to the shape of the ring, which would turn it into a, a rounded donut shape instead of a flattened ring, hence my craving for donuts today. That explains it. <laughs> um, that the power efficiency of the system is improved by orders of magnitude. So, so instead of a planet worth of fuel needed to power the thing, we're now talking in the order of a few tons. Well, that's that's more like doable. Yeah, so that's what NASA's building. Not, no, but not quite. No. So, but but what White and his team are doing is that they are doing some real life tabletop experiments using lasers in their laboratory to create little mini warps to, to test test to see if the mm. if the basic theory is legitimate. Are sharks involved? Cool. Um, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine so. Sharks with freaking laser beams. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. But of course, uh, every Trekkie knows that. Um, uh, the, the first warp flight takes place on uh, April the 5th, uh, 2064. 2065? Mm. Every single except this one on the podcast. No, I'm, I'm doing my, <laughs> my mental arithmetic. It's 51 years from, from the next April 5th. Or f- f- oh. 51 years from this past April 5th. So, it's, so next year is the pre-Jubilee uh, of uh, First Contact. The pre-Jubilee. Yeah, so 50 years before <laughs> First Contact. Because, of course, everybody knows that uh, the first warp flight happens the same day as First Contact with the Vulcans. Yes, I know. I actually do know that. So that happens 50 years from the next April 5th. Can, but no, it actually doesn't mm-hmm. happen because actually, it's, it's because fake. Actually, because of leap years, it's April 1st. <laughs> see? No, it's not. It's April 5th. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, that's going to be awesome. So, uh, so Zephyrm Cochrane is uh, on his way. 
Okay, I've got another news article for you. Let's hear it. From where in the future to where in the past. Awesome. So I want to ask everybody, did the Messiah marry Mary Magdalene? No. Who? (laughs) Wait, who's the Messiah? Which Messiah? The Messiah. The the one from from that Monty Python Python movie? Brian? Brian, yes. (laughs) Simon (laughs) Barkochba? So did Jesus have a wife, essentially, is what I'm asking. Which one? Um... Jesus down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm just complicating the issue. Carry I know, on. You're being Michael here. It's like having a discussion with my husband. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so, Corin King, the Harvard divinity professor, has uh, done a translation on a scrap of parchment found in some anonymous private collection that mm. says that Jesus is said to have had a wife. In, in his words, my wife. Wow. Yeah. Well, n- well, not his words. Quoted. Yeah. yeah. The quote is, Jesus said to them, my wife. That's what Ooh. they're revealing on this. Was it, was it part of a joke like, uh, take my wife, please. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm aware of. <laughs> oh, all right, then. <laughs> um, uh. So, yeah, this is on an ancient Egyptian Coptic um, piece of well, it was on a scrap of parchment that was written in Egyptian Coptic from okay, okay. about the fourth century right. AD, um, and it's a copy of a second century Greek gospel. So we've got a couple mm-hmm. of iterations, a little bit of chance okay. for some embellishment slash errors. Well, it's second century. That's that's pretty early as far as gospels go. Mm, right. It is, and it brings into well, it calls into question the role of women in the Catholic in the Christian faith, mm-hmm. and celibacy is practiced by many of their priests, but not all of them. Right. But the interesting part, and this is why I dis- wanted to discuss it, mm-hmm. is a quote by Jim West, a Baptist pastor from Tennessee. Oh, yeah. And Jim says, a statement on a papyrus fragment isn't proof of anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, nothing more than a statement in thin air without substantial context. Well, no shit. Well done, Jim. That makes a lot of sense, actually. You win the Stating the Obvious Award for 2012. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd also like to point out that that's our argument against the entire Christian faith and their Bible. Essentially, it is a statement out of thin air. Well, I mean, in his defense, I'm I'm just devil advocating here. The Mm -hmm. the whole context part, he's referring to having other bits of different documents or telling the same story. Right, right. And the Bible does have that. Mm-hmm. And the other, it's not not just a scrap. I mean, there are, there's a substantial volume of, you know, Christian texts. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the point he's making. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, sure, still, I mean, it's just a bunch of stuff written down by Bronze Age mm-hmm. architecture. Architecturalists? No. no. Agriculturists. <laughs> um, so, so obviously, of course, yeah, it's stupid to believe what they wrote down as mm. the final truth for all mankind. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that thought. <laughs> yeah, because we've evolved. Society yeah. has changed since then. A teensy weensy little bit. Yeah. And you can't use that as your guiding light. Yeah. But it's also, I don't think that it's the only, this is the first time that it's ever been su- suggested. I mean, it's in the, the Da Vinci Code, for goodness sake. Yes, exactly. That, that Dan Jesus, Brown no. must have been able to find out, yeah. or to read it up somewhere. Yeah, no, it's, it's a pervasive idea. You know, I mean, it's whether it's correct or not, whether Jesus existed or not is beside the point. The, the, at least the, 
at least in one version of of the the, the biblical myth, Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, the the thing to understand is the the canonical version of the Bible, and of mm. course, there are different canons. The Protestants have a different one. The right. the Greek Orthodox, the Catholics, and so on. Yeah. They're, they're all different versions of the Bible, but yeah. each of those was put together in a very contentious way. Mm. Like, mm. For, like, for example, why are there are only four Gospels. Right. Apparently, it. I mean, this is just one interpretation, but apparently, one of the bishops responsible for making that decision based his reasoning on, okay, there are four corners of the earth, north, west, south, and east, and and therefore there should only be four Gospels. And that's why... That's so it is as sound a reason as any other, yeah. let's be honest yeah. here. Sure, but, but uh, of course, which ones get chosen and which yeah. are judged to be uh, apocryphal? Yeah. It, it, I mean, a bunch of guys got together and just decided this, yeah, the, yes, this, no. Exactly. Or, for obscure reasons involving lots of politics. Well, not necessarily yeah. all that... Obscure. From, from what I, I gather, having listened to and, and read a few biblical scholars who spoke on the subject, that the consensus seems to be that at the Council of Nicaea, they, they chose the four Gospels that told more or less the same story. All the other mm-hmm. Gospels were so wildly inconsistent with each other that they, they just settled on the ones that were more or less consistent. And even they have vast inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. But although at least two of them are copies of, of each other, so they're, they're more or less consistent. I mean, of course, the the key question you have to ask is what use is a book that is infallible that is hard to interpret yeah i mean that, i mean after multiple interpretations of an infallible book mm. it's pointless right exactly it's like yeah. it's like being given a text by aliens that we know is the theory of everything yeah. but there are 20 different possible translations of that text right exactly it helps us not at all yeah. Of course, you can special plead and say, I pray to, to, to Jebus, and, and Jebus came and he held my hand while I was reading this bit of text and, and led or me the to the angel, correct interpretation. The angel Moroni. Yeah. Whatever. Read these yeah. tablets. But, but of course, different people say they do that mm. and come to different conclusions. Yeah. Because so. it's all basically whatever supports your personal preference. Mm-hmm. Sure. And it's just ideology. Yeah. yeah. And I want to read you something. Mm. Please do. So, oh, sorry, are you done with that? Yes, I'm done, thing? yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that Jim West's quote that, was like that, that's seriously pretty awesome. Epic. That's awesome. So, um, age of consent in Saudi Arabia. Mm. Any kind of sexual activity outside marriage is illegal in Saudi Arabia? Okay, whatever. Right, of course. For instance, um, but there is no restriction on the age of marriage. For uh. instance, in 2008, a Saudi court refused to annul a marriage between an eight year old girl and a 58 year old man. Wow. And the reason for that, I suspect, is because Muhammad married an annual. I, I, th- I think she was five when they married, and eight or nine when they first had sex. Wow. So of course, if Muhammad did it, it's fine. Yeah, then it's okay. Jeez, fucking sick bastards! Holy mother! Holy titty fucking Christ! <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, that's. A, I'm. I'm sorry. A eight-year-old girl married to fifty-eight-year-old man. Is a, it's wrong. It is, yeah. it is just plain It's a metric fuck-ton of evil. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's state-sanctioned pedophilia. Yeah. That's what it yeah. is. Oh, true. And, of course, they're the beacon of hope that all of the rest of the world ought to follow. Of course. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, moving yeah, on from that bitterness. Yeah. No, no, well, let's look, just look, carry on. We're just imposing our, our Western imperialist attitude on, on them. Just because we think that pedophilia is wrong doesn't mean that it automatically is wrong. Uh, this is true. Hmm. The, this is true. Just because we think something's wrong doesn't mean it necessarily is. Yeah, that's true. However, I think pedophilia is probably not the right topic to have this discussion around. Yeah, yeah, probably not. You know. Yeah. Let's talk about eating bacon instead. Yeah. Oh, wait. They think that's wrong. Ah. Yeah, or getting a suntan. Mm. Or women driving. Or voting. Well, I agree with that. Or having any rights. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That's hey. that's just logic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see who took you to swimming class if no woman could drive. Uh, mobiles would be loud. Huh. See, women can drive if they're taking kids to school. See, you see, that's why Google is releasing its self-driving car. <laughs> it's a human right drives. not to have to drive. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that sentiment. Yeah, yeah, women definitely awesome. have that right. Cool. Can I hereby invoke my right not to drive? Awesome. No. Seconded. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Well, shall we move on to our sci fi fantasy quote of the week? Let's do it. Is it, is it an actual sci fi quote this time? Yeah. Or fantasy? Yeah. Okay, good. A little bit of both. It comes from Stargate, The Ark of Truth. Just one of the uh, the Stargate SG one made for TV movies. In fact, this this uh, quote was sent to us by uh, by James Hoff, I believe. Ah, cool. Thanks, James. And it was said by an unnamed Alteran dude. What dude? An Alteran. It's one of the races. One, one of the, the people dressed up to look like an alien. Yeah, um, but he was never given a name. And this was what his quote was: "The only moral way to judge someone's mind, make them see the truth as you put it, is to present evidence." I like that. Good quote. Mm. Sure. Alright, then well, shall we move on to our announcements? Yeah, let's. Cool. Alright, so our first announcement is for Durban, and that is Skeptics in the Pub on Thursday the 20th of September. That's uh, that's tonight if you're listening to this podcast <laughs> that it comes out. And that will start at 6pm, and that's at Pizzetta. Cool. And Pretoria, mm. Skeptics in the Pub, Saturday 22nd of September at 12.30 in the afternoon, and the venue is yet to be announced. Yeah, so uh, if you're not going to the, the air show at Waterclough, uh, then you should totally go to Skeptics in the Pub. It's very bad time, timing. It's World Cup. SA is playing Sri Lanka at 12. In what sport? I don't know what that means. 2020. Oh. Cricket. Oh. <laughs> 2020 doesn't clarify the situation. I'm sorry, there are so many World Cups yeah. now that... You actually have to specify. Yeah, there's always a World Cup. There are only three I pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah, two cricket World Cups. But from 2015, there's a Test World Cup. How epic is that? I don't know what that means. Test cricket? Five-day cricket uh, World Cup. Wow, that's going to be really quick moving. Well, the, Jeez, that'll take like all year, right? <laughs> Just about. I mean, I, I don't really know much about it, but five days is pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it'll be fascinating five days. And, sure. and it might take a year, but it'll be yeah. epic. Oh, I'm sure it will be <laughs> epic, like like uh, Lord of the Rings, the extended edition. No, no, was. no, no, epic like Oat Joy played at one sixteenth normal speed. <laughs> <laughs> a- anyway, and the thing in Pretoria on the on this Saturday, yeah. uh, the venue is TBA. Yeah, to be decided. Yeah. Uh, I think they usually have it at Bourgeoisie, but uh, head over to Facebook and vote on the venue if you haven't already. Cool. And our third announcement is for Cape Town, and that is also Skeptics in the Pub, and that's happening next Friday on the 28th of September, and that's at 7 p.m. at Belize. Cool. And um, Joburg, Skeptics in the Pub, mm-hmm. again. Yeah. 
again on the Wednesday, yeah. 3rd of October, mm-hmm. 7 o'clock in the evening. Yep. Grand Slam. Where's Grand Slam? It's in Edenvale. No, it's in Edenvale. It's in, uh, it's in Dowerglen. But Edenvale is essentially the East Rand. Yeah. Well, it's our eastern one. Okay. Because we alternate. Remember, we have uh, every, uh, every month we have, well, every one month. Every odd month, I don't even. Sometimes, sometimes we have it in the east, and sometimes we have it in the west. I think we should we have it in the north. We alternate between east and west rands. Yeah, that's it. That's it. We should have it in in mid rand. Well, we the, are, we are kind of we, we did the middle, and then everyone was upset. Yeah. <laughs> so. we, we kind of talk. The thing is, what's happening now is, is we have two pretty distinct and pretty large groups. One group goes to the East Rand one and one group goes to the West Rand one and there's only a few that goes to both. So so what we're talking about now is maybe splitting the two and having a, a mm. separate East Rand one and a separate West Rand one and maybe even a third Central Joburg one, which means that we'll have a Skeptics event every week. Awesome. It, it makes sense. Mm, it does. You know, I mean, it's a big distance for someone from the West Rand to come and yeah. kind of sucks to only go every second month. Yeah. And Not it, that I would know because I don't live on the West Rand. Yeah. But it also it, it it would make it easier if we have uh, have it on, on different days of the week, for example, because not everybody mm. can make it on a Wednesday. But there's no like but there's no power in the West Rand. No, not often. But uh, well, what what we do is we have it right next to the highway, next to MTN, so that uh, okay. they've always got always got should be power. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So let's move on to our links of the week. Michael, oh. have you got a link for us? Yes, my link is to the Wikipedia article, Joseph Schmidt. Flight surgeon, which, <laughs> which, right. which I found by pressing the random article button on Wikipedia. Awesome. And Joseph Schmidt is a NASA flight surgeon okay. and a colonel in the United States Air Force Reserves. Interesting. He served as an astronaut. No, no, no wait, wait, wait. He served as an aquanaut. Aquanaut? On the joint NASA NOAA NEMO 12 underwater exploration mission in May 2016. 207. This guy's epic. Go, Joseph Schmidt. Legend. Na- NASA, right? National Aeronautics and Space <laughs> Administration. No, it's National Aqua Sea Administration. <laughs> and NOAA is the NASA, National what, what, o- what? Oceans and something. National Organization of Arsehole. <laughs> Probably not. Oh, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Uh, right, right. But they have atmospheric in there anyway. So. Yeah, but they have oceanic. So, so no, it makes sense, right? <laughs> NASA? Okay, so, so awesome. he's a German, and he was deputy crew surgeon on STS-116 Discovery, which was a which shuttle was mission, shuttle, yeah. which completed in 20, uh, 2006. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I, I highly, very much recommend... Re- Recommend this article <laughs> because it will is make you laugh. Related else. to science, yeah. Well, it is kind of <laughs> well done, baby. That was cool. You know, know that, that Wikipedia has a new has a new feature that allows you to export Wikipedia articles to eBooks, ah. so you can compile an EPUB nice. EPUB thing out of uh, Wikipedia Ooh. articles. Which is the longest Wikipedia article ever? Optimus Prime. I don't know. I'm just guessing. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise that, me that if it was Optimus Prime. <laughs> you, you, could, you could probably find that, but there are rules about how long it, it can be, in, and they measure that in terms of kilobytes. So right. a long article uh, tend to get split up mm-hmm. into shorter articles. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it's in the stats, actually. Mm. It's somewhere in the stats. But which fun? I do not know. Awesome. Well, Angela, do you have a link for us? I do, and you may notice a bit of a theme in my 
articles and things tonight. Mm -hmm. My link is... Child rape. No, thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) My link is the Geological Timescale for Creationists. Oh, nice. And this is based on the 6,016 years of geological history as according to New Earth Creationists. It is fantastic. So, did you know that the early Cambrian started on the 17th of March, 1303. Oh, wow. Mm. All right, so that's the Cambrian explosion. Yes. That's that's when that happened. Yes, in 1303. So so that was, what, 500 million years ago? Yeah. In real life? 300 years after the Magna Carta. Yes, okay. Not quite. Magna Carta is 1215. Oh, 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 right, right. Sorry, I thought it was 1015. 100 years. Yeah, okay. You're confusing the the Norman Conquest. That's, yes. That was 1066. Yeah, 1066, right. you're right. right. Cool. So, a little bit after that... <laughs> Tishy, I to appreciate history. Norman Conquest, William the Conqueror. Okay, thank you. 1066. Um, the early Triassic started on the 22nd of November, 1683. That was where the first dinosaurs arrived. Awesome. The late Cretaceous, which was then the last dinosaurs died out, ended on the 17th of March, 1927. That, so was, that, was, just, that was after World War One. Yes, and seven years before Carl Sagan was born. The Holocene, Damn. which is what we refer to as the age of humans, mm-hmm. started on the 16th of March, 2012. Oh, I, yeah. I don't really remember that happening. <laughs> Why? Were you, no, you weren't drunk. No. Did you think I'd remember the beginning of the Holocene period? Yeah, you'd think, since you are a bit of a nerd yeah. when it comes to homos. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I like read the internet and stuff. I'm sure there would have been an article. Exactly. On News so, 24, if the Holocene had started in March this year. <laughs> Pro- it would have had a Probably. very long argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in the comment section, yeah. Yes, but you wouldn't have read that. No. So, the oldest known rock dates back to 3,748 BC, according to the Geological Timescale for Creationists. Awesome. You have to go and have a look. It's really, really funny. That Excellent. looks pretty funny. So, yeah. Nice. Damn creationists. Yeah. Can't we just punch them? Yeah. You may. Yeah, you can. I'm just do it. The Roman Catholic Church says it's okay to punch creationists. As long as they're over 14. <laughs> yes. That's fine. Well, I yeah. did discover something interesting by looking at the Wikipedia statistics page. Mm-hmm. Was that there are not over 4 million articles. Wow. That's wow, impressive. Go wiki. That is pretty epic. Yeah. Suck it, Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had a good run. No, they for, did. For, for a few... You know, centuries. Yeah, yeah, they were doing pretty they did well. They a good but, job. Um, the internet came along and just um, kapow, shoved it up their ass. <laughs> What's your link this week, Owen? <laughs> yeah, let's let's cut that last part down. <laughs> so, uh, my uh, my link of the week is um, it's an article from uh, lifehacker.com, which is one of my favorite websites, and this one is how to avoid the natural reactions that prevent good decision making. So it's a, a pretty cool article talking about the, the kinds of things that, that our skeptics generally are interested in, and that, that's kind of um, uh, reasoning shortcuts and malfunctions that our brains tend to make. And, and specifically, they, they cover five of them, and that's the, the fundamental attribution error, the halo effect, naive cynicism, in-group favoritism, and the Dunning-Kruger effect. And if you want to know cool. what those things mean, you should go and check out the article. It's good Very nice. Yeah. I discovered um, while I was surfing Facebook, while one of you guys was talking earlier, that um, Sam Beck Bessinger has been quoted by the Mail and Guardian. Oh, way. Awesome. Yeah. So everybody head off to mg.co.za and look at the article about whether or not Twitter is ready for Julius Malema. (laughs) 
No, well, it's not. Well, if anybody has an important opinion about that, it's definitely Sam. Yeah, so she's officially the MG social media expert. Nice. Well done, Sammy. Good job. Cool. She can be famous. Yeah. Or more famous yeah, than she's she is really now. Famous. She's really well, she's on this podcast, so yeah, exactly. therefore she's got it made. Yeah, you yeah. are and famous on the internet, and at least one other podcast. So yeah, but that that's an uncool podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one because they talk about Apple stuff all the time. So, oh, God, it's lame. Well, Owen, when are you getting the iPhone five? Um, are you going to wait for the iPhone five S? Uh, I'm getting the iPhone five. <laughs> he checks his in, watch in about never. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> yeah. what, what if your phone broke and you were too poor to buy a new one and a, a nice man came and gave you one? Mm. Then I would sell it and buy a real phone. Exactly. But you couldn't sell it. Why not? Because they had a big sticker on it that says, do not sell. <laughs> then I would tell the other person I sold it to not to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> what if it was magnetically attached to you and you couldn't get rid of it? I'd have to kill myself. <laughs> but, but He's what if, at the wife game. <laughs> what if you painted it and yeah. it kind of looked like an Android? Well, it already does. It looks just like a, a Galaxy S. Yeah, just the first one. First, first generation Galaxy S. It's so last year. And it's a complete knockoff of that uh, the Chinese Goo phone. And that's an Android device. And it came out like a week before. It's because Android devices are the bomb. That's true. I'm never getting another kind of phone. No, I've either. decided. No. All right. Well, um, Michael, where can people find you on the internet? Mm-hmm. Plus.google.com slash Michael Meaden. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, so have you got your vanity URL set up? I think so. Nice. I don't know. Maybe. should probably look into that. Now's <laughs> <laughs> the time. Just Google me <laughs> and put in Google Plus. Nice. And, yeah. and eventually, or, or in fact, Bing me. <laughs> <laughs> or, or go go duck me or duck duck go or yeah. go duck go 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 duck duck <laughs> duck duck go. <laughs> I don't know. Danny, Danny somebody, Copping was yeah. going on about this weird duck 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 go 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 There's duck. Something about go. goes and ducks. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> In fact, just Google go 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 duck. Find the site and then search for me. Yeah, yeah, there. And Bing, I mean, who knows what Bing's oh, yeah. What does Bing Google even do? Bing. Bing, no, Bing will, will return your Facebook profile results. That's what I think. Oh, no. Yay. Because Bing, Bing is Microsoft. Yeah. I know. What's worse, Bing or Yahoo? That's the same. Yeah. But Yahoo would be... But yeah. you have to go to yahoo.com and see yeah. the glaring, flashing yeah. shit on it. But it uses <laughs> Bing's results. It's the same. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yahoo is a search company that doesn't use, do, do their own search results anymore. So, but uh, wh- but wh- what does Yahoo add to the world? Ads, yeah, and Flickr. Flickr was pretty cool for a couple of years. But they bought mm. Flickr from another place, yeah. didn't they? And, and and they didn't do anything with it. And now everything else is better than Flickr. And I'm still pissed off at Yahoo for Music Match. Music Match was the best mm. way to keep. MP3s. Oh yeah, yeah. Back in like early noughties. Right. And then Yahoo bought it and broke it. Fuckers. Yeah. But uh, I still do use uh, Yahoo Pipes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Pipes is pretty cool. Yeah. Although if this then that is is fast eclipsing it. Oh uh, okay. All right. I think we've lost our users. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Listeners, Angela, I mean, <laughs> Angela <laughs> uses. No, they do use it. I feel so used. <laughs> Angela, what? Uh, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me either on Facebook or at meden.co.za. 
Awesome. M E A D O N. Nice. Yep. And you can find all of my stuff at owenswart.org. Which takes you to Google Plus. It does. Fancy <laughs> that. Okay, uh, that's all we have for you this week. Thanks to my co hosts and to you, the listeners. Be sure to join us again next week for more consilience. Shiver me timbers. You have been listening to Consilience. Our website is consiliencecast.wordpress.com and you can send us an email to consiliencecast at gmail.com. Theme music is The Optimist by Zoe Keating from freemusicarchive.org.